All right. Uh, so I am here with uh, Tramiel Howard, who is um, the vice president of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. Um, it's a school system back home that's you know near and dear to my heart. It's uh, a place where I wasn't born, but a place where I was raised. You know, I went to Struma High and Prescott Middle and, and Baton Rouge High. So um, I definitely seen the inequities in education uh, based on uh, those neighborhoods and areas. So uh, first of all, thank you for you know agreeing to, to speak with me for a few minutes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and if, if my computer goes out or something, just let me know because I'm getting a, a feedback, uh, like a glitch. So just let me know. Ah, uh, gotcha. Not a problem. All right. So like I said, it won't be too long, but I just want to talk uh, about how education has affected uh, public school students, particularly, like I said, in a place that's you know near and dear to my heart. Uh, so. First, um, let me ask this. Um, is East Baton Rouge still having online, are, are you all having online instruction currently? Okay, so um, I think that the, one of the, the misconceptions about like the, the state of education right now as it relates to online learning, there's two basically different types of, of learning or virtual whatever. So I would classify one as like actual virtual learning, like everyday reporting to, um, excuse me, reporting to um, like class, logging into a system. And then there's distance learning where distance learning is basically the same thing, but it's not necessarily a requirement, but it's resources being provided to students so that they can continue learning or re-engage with learning as they um, experience this break away from school. So we have distance learning occurring and basically what's happened is the district has provided students with a slew of resources that they can engage in learning with, but it's not necessarily things that are quote unquote required. So there's not necessarily a requirement to have face-to-face -face time with your teacher. Like students yeah. are not being pinged for it, pinged like are having negative consequences um, for like not attending or not logging in. So it's just really additional resources to see to it at least as students are still engaged in the process. Um, most of the testing and everything was waived because of COVID. And so like, it's just really trying to figure out what that looks like. Now, starting May 4th, um, our distance learning is gonna look a little different. There's gonna be a lot more engagement between student and teacher. Um, our district is one-to-one -one from fourth to 12th grade. So now students are able to pick up Chromebooks and like, so every student will have a device um, that's a, another conversation at, at what the inequity looks like with like actually having a device versus having connectivity um, in your home. But um, so students are picking up Chromebooks this week and then starting May 4th, they will like kind of transition into a more of a like day-to-day -day school learning process um, with, you know, with each grade level. Okay, so let me ask this, cause I'm glad you actually brought the inequities. I don't wanna go too deep into it, um, but me having to, you know, I, like I said, I went to Prescott and then I did go to Baton Rouge High. I didn't cut it. I kind of messed up. So, you know, I went back to Struma, um, but I did see the inequities in education. So how are we um, ensuring that students who live in neighborhoods like Brookstown, Zion City, Scotland, Bill, you know, uh, you know, Gardair are getting uh, the distance learning or instruction that they need you know, that the students who live in Broadmoor, Sherwood, Woodlawn, Terra, that they're getting, um, because, you know, growing up, I didn't have internet access. I didn't, I didn't have internet until I was like 18. Um, and I even went to the public library in uh, Delmont Gardens, but 
I mean, if you didn't get there at a certain time, you didn't get a computer, right? Mm -hmm. um, so is, is the district doing anything to ensure those students who don't have internet access get the instruction that they need? So yeah, so, um, and so, so it's, it's twofold for me when it comes to like the things that the district are doing versus the things that like I think or believe should be happening. So as a, as a now employee kind of sort of the district, um, I, my goal is to always advocate to ensure that we are addressing issues like that. And then there's a, a side of like staff that are actually working for the district. I'm not work. I don't work for the district. I'm elected to the district. So yeah. I'm almost seen as like the bad guy because I'm like, eh, why are you doing this? Why are you thinking about this? Yeah, yeah. Um, in many spaces when it comes to working directly with central office. So twofold. So the district has been working on some like, um, contracts as it relates to like getting Cox to provide access to students who don't have internet access. Um, they've done several surveys um, and, and surprisingly the numbers that they released yesterday, we're still kind of having conversations about them. It, it shows that the majority of our students do have some level of connectivity to the internet. But even then connectivity goes deep, deeper into like broadband access. So if like you have the very basic um, broadband supporting your home, if there's more than one device on connected, then you can't really utilize it properly. So if you have four or five students in one home trying to connect to a Chromebook to do distance learning, then that's a, that's a different inequity that goes into the like high level inequity. Um, and so the district has done that. They're working on some things with Cox to provide different like hotspots to where students can connect off of school buildings, um, off of school buses. There's an array of things that have occurred um, throughout the nation that our, our district is trying to um, to look at. But I mean, the, the bottom line is that we are in a district that is basically 80%, if not more, economically disadvantaged. Yeah. And so when you think about device issues and connectivity issues, like the equity gap is large. And so while 80% of students or whatever the number is may have some level of access to connectivity, we don't know what the bandwidth is on that connectivity um, level. And so, you know, all of those things that I just mentioned are things that the district are, is trying to do. But I think that what this pandemic has done for education, specifically centered around distance learning, is shown the, the large level of gaps that we have in access to a lot of things, access to devices, access to um, connectivity, and then the kinds of gaps that socioeconomic status creates within a school system. Yeah. Um, for people like me who come from a single parent home, teenage mom, like I already knew that that was a reality for a lot of students. But for other people who sit on my board, I think this has been like a slap in the face to like, hey, we really have some inequities in our district that we have to make a priority. And so one of the things that I want us to do with our CARES Act money is to make broadband access a priority. So to ensure that every student in our district has access to a device as well as access and connectivity to a working internet so that they can get in and really receive the um, resources available through virtual learning because I think this pandemic is taking us to a place to where virtual learning is going to be the new normal and brick and mortar schools are no longer going to be like the absolute thing that when you think about education. That's actually something I want to touch on. Uh, and I'm not going to criticize the board, but uh, if some people who sit on the board are just not realizing there's inequities um, in the school system, then look, because this is a battle I was fighting when I ran against Barbara Freiberg some years ago, and she, you know, creamed me. Uh, but, uh, I mean, if, if they're just not paying attention to it, then, man, they, 
I don't, I don't know the sample. All right. And see, and I think, I think it's easier, like, and let me, uh, let me know if you, if, if we go to left field, but I think it's easier for you to, to hide behind different things that are happening. So like, for instance, in our system, like the Magna system is like the booming um, level of resources within education. So it's easy for board members who don't have to like live and breathe the things that we have experienced in our lifetime to shield it behind all of the things that are happening that are doing that are keeping the haves, the haves and the have not staying with. So they can just shield behind it. But this pandemic has literally like stopped the entire world. It doesn't care, there's no respect of persons. It doesn't care how much money you make, how many, how many nice cars you have, what kind of job you have. Like we're literally living through the exact same thing. And so I think that sometimes, unfortunately, we live in a society that sometimes people need to be slapped in the face with reality. And I think that this COVID-19 has slapped a lot of people in the face with a reality that they were able to shield behind in their nice cars and their big houses um, and their gated communities. And now it's, just, it's, it's affecting us all in the same way. And not necessarily in the same way because we know Black people are dying in a higher proportion, but it's affecting us all to where we are all like staying at home. We're all living under these same orders and having to quarantine and all of those things. And we just have things that wouldn't typically be a priority or now like slapping us in the face every day. So I think I, I, I don't, I wish this was not how we had to get there. Yeah. But I'm, 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 I'm kind of glad that, you know, we are seeing things for what they really are um, because of this pandemic. All right. So one of the things too is you did mention a piece where um, you know learning is going to be a little bit different now that we you know we're, we're slapped in the face with something that we never thought was going to happen. Um, and I know that you all are still under a superintendent search, correct? I think Warren Drake's on the way out, or is he already gone? Um, his last day is uh, right as of now is in June, um, and so we actually just approved at our school our first virtual school board meeting last night, which was surprisingly successful. Um, we approve to go forward with the first, at least the first rounds of our interviews on um, virtually. And so that process is getting ready to start like probably the first week in May, I believe. Okay, good old Warren Drake. All right, so <laughs> how do you think um, instruction is going to look, or how, how would you like to see instruction moving forward? You know, once the, this, this pandemic is gone, once we're somewhat back to normal, incorporating technology into how we teach students. Because one of the things that you know, people say is that we don't use today's methods and technologies to educate children, which is why so many people are so, you know, supportive of, you know, of, of charters and other methods. So how do you see us in the public school system um, educating children and incorporating technology that they use on a regular basis um, to aid in their learning? I think it's, it's, it's a key in really, because I was a teacher, so I taught seventh and eighth grade. And so one of the things that I, I, I utilized to my advantage all the time was social media and text <laughs> messages. Like literally, if I had to print out a worksheet that looked like a text message, like I would do it. And so like my kids could have an engagement information through like having a text conversation. And so while the grammar may have not always been um, correct or the writing may have not always been like, formatted in the, in the most academia way, yeah. the kids are engaged in learning. And so I find that it's really, you have to be intentional with instruction. And so if you are intentional with instruction in today's society, you are literally utilizing what kids know and engage with every single day as part of like learning. And so one of my favorite assignments as a teacher was doing a literary um, analysis on an NBA young boy song. And so all of the things that standards would have told me to do with uh, 
some crazy author that my kids had never heard of, yeah. I was able to do with NBA Youngboy. And it was just amazing to see the level of engagement that the kids had. And so we have to get to a place to where there's a proper balance between like educating kids to be successful um, in, in college or whatever we, or career, or whatever we see fit as, or being defined as success versus actually being able to engage students with the things that they engage with every single day. I mean, school is only eight hours a day. And so there's 20, uh, well, what is it, 16 other hours of the day that kids are engaged with all of these other things. And they're very intentional. I mean, I watched my best friend's son. He can sit on Fortnite for literally 24 hours straight. And I mean, he's engaged. He knows <laughs> That's a lot. strategy. He's yeah. taking all of these things that, we, if we could just take things like Fortnite and, and, and use them in our instruction, like kids can see learning a different way. Um, and I just think that um, education or traditional education as we once knew, uh, have known it is, is no longer. And so if we really want to educate kids. We have to like change what it looks like, change how we engage it with cell phones and technology in the classroom. Because <clears throat> just imagine if there was like an app created right now to engage students in learning with the same standards that you would do in a traditional classroom setting. Literally every student, probably 90% of students, no matter socioeconomic status these days, has an iPhone or some kind of device yeah. that they use. <clears throat> so imagine being able to pick this phone up and just continue learning as if, as if school never closed. So we just have to reimagine learning in 2020 and just like the most um, like, Mars thinking way um, to really engage kids. But I think it'll look different. And for me, I, I want to see us just engage um, more technology, but finding the balance between like the things, because kids need to read. They need to read books. Yeah. They need to, to read hard books. And also figuring out how to properly balance the two. So that's what I would envision. And that's what I hope that educators and people who are in high places are thinking about as we think about once this is all over, because it will be over. We will get through this. But I don't think that we will ever turn back, return back to the world as we want to do it. And so, and that's good that we, we we see that we have to at some point, you know, even though it took this to get here, you know, understand that we need to find different ways to educate our students and using the technology that we have. Just you using, you know, a new song versus an old author that you know they didn't hear of, you know, help them be more engaged. Um, so let me ask you this: What or if at all? Uh, have you coordinated with like, let's say the city parish or the mayor's office, the city council, when it comes to food insecurity, right? So I know for me, particularly in elementary school, um, and then, you know, uh, my sixth and seventh grade year at Prescott, a lot of the meals I had were only at school. Um, has the school system or the city parish done anything to address um, the need for students who are living in food insecure homes who really were only eating while they were at school? Mm -hmm. So I think it's twofold. Um, so for me, what I've done, um, we have been the first priority once this was once this happened and we realized we'll be out of school for an extended period of time. Me and other board members, our first priority was ensuring that students at least were still able to gain access to um, to food and nutrition that they would typically have received while they were in school. So we pressed for that. We made sure that we had feeding sites available. And within the first week, we have had um, seven to 10 feeding sites running every single day, None, no stop, no stoppage. 
Um, we had two of our employees, two or three of our employees who had tested positive for COVID. So we had to reconsider, rethink about what the distribution of food looked like. So we did contract it out. And so our new contract, um, and that's a, a different story about who received the contract, but at the end of the day, the, the goal was to continue to make sure that kids were being fed. And so they are. Um, and so there's options. Um, there's, uh, there's like five packs where kids can pick up enough food for five days in milk, okay. 10 days in milk. And it's not just kids. The, the great thing about it is it's not, it's not just kids who are students in our district. Any child who needs oh, that's to good. That's good. Can yeah. pick up um, meals and, and receive that. So I do believe that like we have, while the, the, the route that we took to this may have not been one that I would have directly taken. The goal was to ensure that kids never missed out on that. And so we've had some phenomenal outside partners like the three o'clock project to actually help and come in and serve meals and there's like church groups. And so like as a collective community, we have really made a priority to ensure that students are still being fed. And then on the flip side, in my everyday work, I work for the Education Trust, um, which is an organization in DC, specifically rooted in fighting um, for policy advancement for low-income low and students of color. And so what we've done here in Louisiana is really um, been instrumental in hoping to help that our, uh, our system would opt into what they call pandemic EBT. And so pandemic EBT really is another source of food fooding for um, families who um, have low resources. And what it basically does is qualifies families and in, um, individuals who have school-aged children to receive more EBT funds um, because of what we're doing with the pandemic. Okay. So the infrastructure in Louisiana does not really support pandemic EBT. So you would have to apply and your infrastructure would have to really be centralized in a way to where you can account for all the kids who are school-aged and then like get additional resources. So since we, are trying to figure out that infrastructurally how Louisiana can support a system like Pandemic EBT. We have launched uh, Louisiana as a collective has added supplemental benefits. So parents who were once receiving EBT funding are now receiving additional funding and they, they didn't have to do anything. It was automatically uploaded to the card. Um, and so, and then people who had a change in income due to the pandemic were now able to qualify for EBT and could apply through um, through a system. And so we are working every day to ensure that families and uh, students are being fed and both as a school board member and as a uh, someone with a job in this same field, my number one priority is to ensure that kids never miss out on meals um, because they're not in school. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of different things the way we can get funding directly to families and students, but we like, that's the number one fight I believe that we are, we'll continue to fight. And you all didn't uh, give that contract to Aramark, did you? Because Aramark did no. everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, Aramark did not get the contract. Um, it's another contract company, House of Housing Management Company. Um, and like I said, like I think that, I don't think that that was the, the most um, successful way to get to it. Um, but, you know, I was outnumbered um, in, in, in that particular fight. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I stated why I believe that the company that received the contract should have not been the company. Um, for one, there wasn't, they weren't a local company. They were from like Covington. Um, they do a lot of work in Baton Rouge. And I also think that the price that they quoted was extremely high. And while this is not coming from the general fund, it's like 100% um, refundable through the USDA program with the CARES Act and all that. 
I still believe that we could have, A, supported the local economy by supporting a local business with direct roots in Baton Rouge. And B, I have friends who are in the restaurant industry. And when I told them, like, what we were potentially paying for this contract, they were like, that's just not how this shit is. <laughs> so, you know, I voiced that concern. And, you know, again, I was outnumbered. So, but the, the main goal, I, I can put politics aside to know that people are still being fed. And That's so good. it might not be the right route, but people are still being fed. So I'm okay with knowing that people are still getting, you know, at least two meals a day and a potential snack and, and some milk and some things to just keep the bodies flowing while we go through what we're going through. Okay. And let me ask this last question. Um, so uh do you all see um any um potential impact on the budget for the next school year um i i I can't remember how i I can't remember if baton rouge mostly was funded off of property taxes if i'm not mistaken right for the school system so it's a the mfp formula is is all over the place but actually yeah it is (laughs) a a larger portion of um, funding comes through sales tax um, and so and that's the piece I want to hit on with not having economic activity. Yeah. And so because the economic activity is not the same, um, the sales tax is going to be impacted. So we don't know directly as a district how the MFP is going to shift because of sales tax, like not being um, how they were originally projected to be. So we do know that there will be some budget um shortfalls budget it's the budget is going to look totally different for the yeah, state yeah. um and so last night during our call i asked for um the but because our it's almost time to even vote on the budget so yeah to talk about budget projections because we were we were projected to have like a deficit already but there was going to be some balance because for the first time in uh, got 10 years we received the mfp increase and then the one year that we receive an increase, we have the whole world collapse. Yeah. So true Louisiana fashion, um, the whole world collapses when we see we finally do the right thing. Um, and so there's gonna be some um some some adjustments that we have to make. But I what I'm hoping is that with the supplement that we receive from the CARES Act and the 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 investment that the federal government has decided to give back to local districts and state um, as it relates to education, that we will we will see a hit, but it won't be as detrimental as it possibly could be had we not had any money coming from the CARES Act. And then the CARES Act's money is a little like different because it's like certain things that you can and can do with it. Um, but I'm, I'm really hoping that um, that we are able to balance as, as close to regular or normal as we can. Um, but that's coming in, the, that we will be making those decisions in the months to come. All right, well, look, I definitely do appreciate you taking your time. Um, I know when you uh, won the, uh, even well, even when you first started running, I was just you know excited because I wish we had some young leadership back when I was a school student um, back in Baton Rouge. But hey, better now than you know than never. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate the, the the hard work, the dedication that you're putting into the system. I know it takes a lot to you know be a public servant. It takes a lot of your time, a lot of your effort. Um, but one thing I always believe that the rewards are always worth it if you can you know help improve the lives of the students the the families and the people who, who are in the district who are in the, you know the city um so look definitely applaud you hats off to you man i do appreciate it thank you man i appreciate it and if you could uh once you are all done let me see what you came up with for your final project that would be awesome okay i, I will do that and uh yeah man i know times are crazy but you know stay safe and stay healthy and enjoy the rest of your day
You, man. You as well, man. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you.